So uh, I'm Ed Frawley, I own Learberg, and I'm here today with my friend Kevin Sheldo. Kevin is a retired police canine handler. He's a internationally recognized teaching judge for police service dogs, and he runs uh, six-week police service dog handler schools twice a year? Twice a year. And over your, how many years have you been doing this? Under, under canine services, I've been doing this since, oh, about 1989-1990. So the number I heard was you've done like close to 65 of yeah, these. Yeah, I've done, there's been some years where I've done more than, than one, and some years where I've only, only done one, um, depending on circumstances. Uh, but yeah, um, it's about that, and usually attendance anywhere from... Uh, the largest class I ever had was 16, um, and the, sm the smallest I'll take a class is five. And so usually, my, on the average, I'm somewhere between probably an average of nine or ten um, in each class. So, like 600 handlers. So you got about 65 six-week courses, pretty much lays it out there on how much mm -hmm. work it's been and the experience behind you. But today we're going to talk about your school. And... First, let's talk about who you allow to come to the school, because you don't allow, you only take police, well, yeah. police officers. You know, there's some, only take bona fide law enforcement corrections and military. Um, I won't say that I'll never take, take somebody from a, some, there might be some sort of a contractor position that's bona fide um, that, that could benefit from what I do. Uh, but I don't, I don't, normally would not do that. Uh, and part of it is because of sensitive information that's conveyed. Um, and that's my, that's my expertise. I don't want to step out of my lane. I'm, uh, this is the area that, I, that I, I worked in. I have a ton of experience in it. I have a ton of experience helping other people within that, that arena. And so doing dogs for detection, for drugs, uh, explosives, um, and cadavers, and what I, the correct, what I call a corrections alternative, which is um, contraband, where they might find prescription drugs and other things that are not appropriate within the facilities. So, and then doing patrol and tracking. Um, the uh, that's my area of expertise is teaching people how to do that. So these guys come to your school; they're police officers or law enforcement people. And you supply the dogs. They don't bring their dogs. No, if, the, if they have a dog that passes my selection testing, uh, then I will allow people to bring in dogs. Probably 75% of the people that go through my course, I end up locating the dogs for them. What do you look for? Well, there's a couple of things. One, I, I look for environmental surety. Meaning? Slick floor problems, dark floor problems, tight space problems. We have, they have to... We, we can't have that. And so we look for that. We look for health. Um, hips, elbows, backs, x-rayed. Um, we look for dogs with good foundations. How old? I try to have them three years or less. And I don't like dogs that are under 18 months. They, it was a very stressful course. We talk about it being six weeks, but my guys and gals that go through this course when I get their end, their records at the end of the uh, course, 
often have 320 hours recorded. We work all the time. And so the course is, the first week is Monday through Friday, we take one day off, and then we come back Sunday through Thursday, and uh, on the weekends they still have homework with their dogs. So this is a, a saturation type of a course. So a youngster taking a 12-month-old dog through this thing, we'd just do the damage. So you we ever, need, need a, better, a better maturity than that. Do you ever have uh, washouts? I do. Um, I, I've had this long enough now where my washouts are very low in percentage. Dogs um, or people? Yeah, both. Um, I do have, uh, funny, my, my dog washouts are going, are going down and my people washouts are going up. Is that maybe a reflection of, of my age? I don't know. <laughs> so yes, and if you cannot keep up with the course, I have to have a discussion with the, with the administration. Um, and some people who believe that they are truly would love to have a dog and get out there and work with the dog, when they get involved in what we really do and what's going to happen, um, start to look differently at, 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 the, at what, what they thought was going to be a fun new pet. Like when their dog bites them. Yeah, when their dog bites them or just when they can't keep up. Um, and, and they look at the, the, the idea that we're going to go out and I'm going to look for, for the majority of the bad guys my department flushes out that are dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to teach defensive tactics in a, in a uh, state academy. I did, uh, I did it for 13 years. And uh, one of the things that happened, we always had people, cadets, that when it got down to defensive tactics, um, you know, we're rolling on the mats, we're handcuffing people, we're fighting with people, that it became real at that point. And they chose that was a good time to exit the career. And... You know, so that's going to happen with some people. And I try to coach them out. I don't think it's just because you're not going to be a dog handler doesn't mean you're a bad person. I think sometimes that happens in circles where if you can't handle it, there's something wrong with you. No, just because you have a perspective that doesn't match up with that particular activity doesn't make you a bad person. So So I try to coach people out like that. And it doesn't happen often. It's probably one in about 20 to 25. So yesterday... Kevin came here yesterday, and he brought three selection-tested police dogs that were put with their handlers, and they'll stay with the handlers. Now, this is uh, the first part of August, and his next class starts in uh, the 13th of September, so they spend almost a month, five, six weeks with their handler to bond with them. And two of these guys had, were getting their second dog. Yeah, they'd already gone through the first dog and retired him for one reason or another, but they'd already been down to Kevin's course. Somehow we got talking about guys that wash out. And they were, it was funny because the one guy that they brought up, and I'll never mention a name, was learning how to play tug with a dog, his own dog. And there's a technique to playing tug. And these dogs have all had background bite training, and some of them have a strong prey drive. And this handler had made a mistake when he presented the tug, and the guy, the dog ignored the tug, bit him in the arm, and, and had to be lifted off his arm. And he went directly from the arm to the trunk of his car and sat on the trunk of his car and smoked uh, 
half a pack of cigarettes before he decided this was probably not a good career choice for him, and he left. So, I mean, it, things like this happen. You know, we laugh about it. He probably well, didn't and laugh. And the thing is, is that you know, I don't mean to laugh at him because it was just a dramatic way to figure out this is not what you wanted to do. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, like I said, I don't think, you know, I've done this a long time, and I have really good friends in law enforcement that had come to me and said, hey, I want to be a canine handler. And I looked at him and said, you, no, you don't. You think you do. <laughs> yeah. But you really don't want to. Yeah, and they said, a lot well, of work. Why not? And I said, because I know you personally. I know about your personal life. I know, I know about your family life. I know what you, what you do. You're, this is not just going to be a new thing at work. This is a lifestyle change. Yeah. And some people are not prepared for that. Yeah. And sometimes they're not the right place in their, in their life or their career for that. And so a, a, a good friend will coach you out. And that's, that's what I, I've done with several people. And it's not an eight-hour deal. It's no, a 24-hour no, deal. Change. I think I will say this, too, that I had an epiphany yesterday as a result of this talk and made the decision for Kevin's guys that when he places dogs, and I should have done this a long time ago. I don't know why I never thought about it. But when he has new guys that are going to go into a course, I'm going to give them free because they're not dog trainers. A lot of them don't know how to take care of a dog. But we're going to give them the, the course on marker training, the power training dogs with markers. We're going to give them our online course on the power training dogs with food. We're going to give them the course on the power of playing tug with your dog so they can learn right. the very, very, very basics. We're going to give them the muzzle fighting course that we did with Kevin so they can prepare themselves, even though they're not going to do any of that. But they can learn reward-based training. They can learn how to manipulate a tug and play tug, and that's going to make them so much better right. when they come down to your place for six weeks. Absolutely. Because that's like well, and so the course training. Is, is a very modern course. It's based, in, it, it's based in an ethological approach to training police service dogs, and, it's, and it really it's rooted in stuff that was done in Germany in the 1950s with um, you know, dog trainers in association with scientists, ethologists in Germany, putting together um, a, a canine program. It's evolved hum tremendously now, 70 years later. And uh, it is, um, we use marker training in it. Uh, we use very modern training. I think a lot of police star schools probably haven't changed since 1960. It's still march around in circles and jerk your dog's head off. Um, and that is not the kind of training that we do in this course. Um, it is a balanced course, I think is the term that's being pop popularly thrown around these days, which means that we are going to teach you um, how dogs learn, um, what the intrinsic behaviors that are necessary for a dog to do police work and how to capitalize on those things and improve upon those things, uh, and how to create a reliable, safe, partner that you can go out in the in the community with and do positive things for your community that's to me that's a huge emphasis in the course is understanding your role the legal concepts that are involved in this um, understanding how to make proper decisions on the street no one but a, but a dog handler that has done this is capable of making you learn how to, how to do these decision-making processes based on policy, procedure, legal issues, 
um, human rights issues, civil rights issues, and be able to do that on your feet, on scene, during a crisis. You're not going to get that anywhere but from somebody with lots and lots of experience. So one of the things in, in the course is not just me instructing. I have other instructors, and they will, they will range in experience from um, 10 years to 25 years on the street with a dog. So I get a lot of support from people who work, work with me as instructors, and those people are chosen because they've been able to show that they have common sense and the ability to think on their feet on the road and be able to discuss that with the new person that's coming on board. And what I see, like Juan, that I met at the last one, what a nice guy. On a scale of one to 10, just a great guy. Yeah. I sent him a whole bunch of fishing stuff because his kid likes to fish. Yeah. And that's my hobby is fishing. The thing that I, that I find interesting is now, I went to this course on muzzle fighting recently, and there was probably 35, 40 dogs there. And I will say that 10, 15 years ago, if I would have gone to one of those police canine seminars, I'm sorry to say, but in my opinion, 50% of the dogs that I would see back then, I wouldn't want to work them on the street. I think, I think they're dangerous. Not because they're tough. I think they're dangerous because they wouldn't protect the handler if the handler was attacked. They didn't belong being police dogs. And these dogs that I saw, the 35 to 40 dogs that I just saw, there was only a couple, and they didn't come from you, no. that they weren't did. nice police dogs that I'd have been happy to have when I did it in well, a different lifetime. there's a question that I ask myself every single time that I get a dog. Um, and that, that question for me is, would I put this with one of the guys that I work with? Now, I'm a German Shepherd guy. That's me. That's, me too. I do sport. I enjoy German Shepherd dogs. And I enjoy a particular kind of German Shepherd dog. That's for me. And I'm, more, I'm very picky. So the question isn't whether or not I would work the dog. The question is whether or not I would let the guy that I got to go, if he gets hurt or she gets hurt, I got to go see their family. So that's my question when I put a dog in service. And I am, I am happy, I won't say happy, I am, if I need to pull a dog from, from, a, from the course or after the course because of performance problems, I will do it. If that's a dog I supplied, I will pull it. If it's a dog I didn't supply but they came through my course, I will advise them strongly that it needs to go away or go back for some remediation or the handler go back for remediation. And that's the other thing about my course is once you've gone through my course, that dog team is welcome back anytime, anytime. And then I also do satellite training all over the country so that we can see, see the dog for, uh, usually it's about anywhere from 32 to 40 hours block of time that I come out twice a year and, and work and solve problems if there's any problems. And uh, so there's a lot of support after the course. And I think that's something that uh, other places, I know other places don't do that or won't do that. And they don't train them in the law. And to me, let's say XYZ, they all go out and do bite work, blah, blah, blah but they don't train them in the law the way you do. And that's the difference because 
what was it, 30 years ago, let me see, 1910, yeah, 30 years ago, when I was doing it, what I knew about the law came from you. And these guys that go through your course, they know the canine law. They know it. They have to. They have to know And that's both on it. the detector side. It's huge. And the tracking side and on the, on the use of force side. Um, of course, we all think about use of force because that's what makes the news these days, right? You know, yeah. we see use of force. We, uh, we see out-of-control police dogs um, and, you know, inappropriately used and out-of-control police dogs. And that should be a red flag that whoever supplied their training, whether that's a depart, inner depart, inside department training or it's a vendor or, um, you know, a neighboring agency supported them or something, that you need to go back and, and you look at that and say, we have a problem with how they were trained. What's your curriculum? How do you make sure that these guys understand and what needs to be done on the road? And I'm, a, I'm an advocate of using police service dogs, but if we're not careful, if we don't have good education, we don't have a good understanding of the law, we may lose this tool. And there needs, it all track comes down to the guys on the street have to have the integrity to know what's appropriate for deploying a dog. And that's, I think, what you see missing a lot. And that's what, that's what you see in the news these days. The interesting thing, and we won't go into a lot about it because we've already done another podcast, is when you introduce muzzle training and for how long, that's what surprised me in your courses now. How long you do it in this six, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Well, muzzle training is, it was something handed to us mostly out of a, uh, uh, one of the schools in Germany um, in North Rhine-Westphalia a number of years ago. Some law enforcement officers went over and got some education there and brought information back and that particular school does all their testing in a muzzle. That's how they do it. And um, the, they do that for some real advantages from an administrative standpoint in that we can see whether or not this dog is really suitable for police work by watching the dog work in a muzzle. So taking that and then running with that here in the U.S., um, I began doing lots of muzzle work. And as we continue to, to build on the muzzle work, I found that it had more and more and more benefits during my course. So the very first experience that a dog handler in my course will get of, of doing any apprehension work is in a muzzle. The very first experience. Now, there's a couple of safety reasons for that. People haven't learned how to hang on to their dog yet. They can't post up with, with their dog. Um, they, they think they're supposed to give bites, and we, even though we've coached them like crazy, this allows us to make sure that our decoys stay perfectly safe in a very simple environment. Um, so that's got an advantage there for us. But then it also, I'm take, we're taking these sport dogs, and most of the dogs that I supply come from uh, one of the dog sports, um, either Belgian Ring, KNPV, or IGP. Um, every once in a while, French Ring. And so they come from a sport where they have such a great lust for the equipment because that's necessary in, the, in these things. And even in the KNPV, which is, says police dog in the, in the uh, program, um, they, they, you need to be able to get the dog weaned off of all this equipment. So we started right off the, right off the bat, making sure the dog is, is 
focused on the on the task and the task is go capture the bad guy not go capture the bad guy's suit not go capture the bad guy's sleeve how long do you keep them in muzzle out of this six weeks well the dog is wearing a muzzle every day every day every day after i get the acclimation part done and uh they're expected to put put it on morning and night even if we didn't use it that day but there's very few days during that six weeks that we don't utilize the muzzle uh so we, we do the majority of our uh, initial searches in muzzle. We do the majority of our initial apprehensions in muzzle. Um, the suit makes an appearance about halfway through the course for most of the, for most of the things. Um, I haven't used a sleeve in my, in my course in 10 years. N and you know it doesn't mean that there's something special about not using a sleeve, but the, but decoys need even more education to properly use a sleeve in developing a police dog. And most don't have it. I don't have time to teach risers theories, which is what I base the, that stuff on. Um, and so where there's ways around it, and that is the muzzle. Um, it's it's such a simple answer. Although we, we created, how long is, how many modules in the course it's, that we did? Well, there's 88 videos in it. So it's, it's a big part of my, my six week course. Um, and we did a, we did it, put 88 videos showing steps in a online course. Uh, so if people are listening to this about my class, um, you want to see what happens, take the online course. Well, we're going to give that course. I said it earlier, but I'm going to give that online course to the guys going to your school before they get there. Yeah, that'd be So great. they can condition their dog, like you give them these dogs most of the time, don't you? Oh, yeah. A month or I so try ahead to get, of time. I try to get the dogs out a little bit early when I can. It's not always possible, um, either because of shipping constraints out of Europe um, or departmental constraints at the, at the other end, um, or just simply geographical constraints. Yeah. I, you know what? I, I just drove... How many miles is it? 1,400 miles? Shit, long way. For to, to get up here in Wisconsin where we're filming this and uh, deliver some dogs. It's terrible. Um, but it worked out for me because yeah, Deerberg's also having a seminar this weekend that I want to attend. One of the things that I do is I never stop educating myself, whether that's sport or uh, police work, tracking, search and rescue. Um, and that's another thing I should point out in the course. This is a multi-purpose course that, that I put on. And we also teach police search and rescue dogs in it. I saw um, the first one when we filmed this. I was impressed. We were filming this course on muzzle fighting, and there was one dog that had gone through that was a search and rescue, Malinois. And I videotaped him. He was going to do a search. And uh, holy jeez, how hard that dog searched. I thought, wait a minute. I thought it was going to be... a maybe five minutes. This thing went on for 25, 30 minutes, and I followed him around how many floors on this <laughs> insurance building that was now empty because of COVID, multiple floors. I, I didn't even, I was impressed. I would kept thinking, when is this dog going to quit? And it had some go in him, yeah. And, yeah. and it didn't bite. Right. And bite. so, you know, not every department wants a dog that bites. Yeah. That, that in, in itself is, 
somewhat controversial, but you know, if we're not careful, um, we may lose the tool of uh, using the dog to physically apprehend someone. Doesn't mean we can't use dogs. And then also there certainly is a role for search and rescue dogs um, outside of police patrol work. And depending on your department, you may, you may supply some of those things, just like some departments have um, EMTs and paramedics on the road. Um, we have search and rescue people, uh, search and rescue dogs on the road. And uh, I, I have a county next door to me that their fire department uses me to produce their search and rescue dogs. They get produced right in the same class. Um, it's because the only difference is they don't bite. Everything else is exactly the same. And so the only thing we do is we shift the drive satisfaction from engaging a suspect and doing combat and uh, to, to a toy-based um, re uh, reward system, reinforcement system. And, but we're using, and we're using really social dogs too. We make, we make sure we use really social critters. Well, but, it works for us. I mean, man, back in 1990, when I started, mm -hmm. I was the first dog handler in this county. And our sheriff did not want me to go out with a patrol dog. So I started with a black lab from our dog pound, Gabby, and worked her for three years, found a lot of dope before he said, okay, now can you get a tracking dog? Okay, now can you get a patrol dog? Because it, it took a lot of time for them to realize you're not a crazy son of a gun out right. there with a dog just trying to get people. For a new right. department, they also want to come in. They don't want to jump in head first. Yeah. They often want to get their toes wet first. Right. And, you know, that's okay. I mean, you know, yep. think of it from an administrator's uh, position, you know, well, if I want a program, let's, let's slowly build a program. And... Uh, it's a good you know, way to start. Yeah. And you know? so I've had um, multiple departments who, who wanted the abilities of tracking. We do a lot of tracking. The structure of the course is scent work in the first part of the day. And then we move on to uh, obedience and patrol work as we work our way through the day. Um, and uh, so we, we work a lot on tracking. Um, the school's located in, uh, in New Mexico, which is a pretty arid area. And one of the things I always tell my Wisconsin guys is, if you can track a thousand yards here, you can track 5,000 yards in, uh, in Wisconsin. Maybe more, till the ticks kill you. <laughs> Over the years, I've watched how many dogs you've put in Wisconsin. My guess is, and I don't know, I'm just guessing, that you supply at least 50% of all the police dogs in Wisconsin. I don't think so. No, no, no. no. Seems um, like it. There's a lot of police dogs in Wisconsin is a thing. I mean, yeah. Um, but wondering. over the years, I, I'm sure, I am sure that I have supplied over 250 into this state. That's a lot. Um, and, you know, uh, you know, one of the things about the school, if you, get, if you, if you, if you bring your dog that's, and the dog has problems, that's going to have to be your problem. I can't. I can't uh, help you with that. Um, but if we're, we have a problem with a dog and it can't graduate, it just can't get to the minimum basic. We, um, well, that's, I, we're right there with me, and I always have an extra dog going through the course. I like the fact that when we did the muzzle fighting video, there were guys that had just got through with your six-week course. How many weeks before that? It was only, Two weeks. Yeah, it was just a few weeks. And quite frankly, they look pretty damn good in this course. I mean, and I will say in closing this thing out 
that the next course that Kevin and I are going to start to work on is a uh, scent detection, odor detection course. Because the last time I did a narcotics training video was with Tom Brenneman back oh in my gosh, 1980. Five <laughs> or six? Yeah, really long time ago. Yeah. And just like muzzle fighting, odor detection has come a long, long way. And I'm there's, looking forward. There's been a lot of changes in lot of detector changes. dog work. I'm looking and forward to it. some good and some bad. Yeah. Some good, like everything else. Um, and, you know, the, uh, the, the course we're putting together is a primary reward system, um, but with new modern twists put to it. Mm -hmm. So, with that said, thanks for doing this. I thought it was a good idea. Yeah.